This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, top of the writing day and authoring day to all of you. We have a show today that actually I haven't done one specifically on this topic in three years, which is kind of startling because it is the root, the core, the part of the structure of your success. And it's one of the things that I identify is the seven deadly sins of publishing or the lack of it. And we're talking about editing. Now, there's all types of editing. There is the content. There's the copying. There's the, what I call the cold eye. And for some of you who just can't write anything, you hire what's called ghostwriter, which combines some of the editing, but they're really doing the book. They become you, the faux you. At least it should be faux and not their voice. It should be your voice. But that's not what we're talking about. We'll do another show on ghostwriting. What we're talking about is editing and making it snap, crackle, and pop and reaches out to your audience. With me is an editor. In fact, confess disclaimer here, he was one of my editors when I wrote for the Denver uh, Business Journal for many, many years, and I handled the careers column. So Bruce Goldberg is our expert extraordinaire today. And just a little bit about Bruce. He is a book editor. He's worn a variety of hats, including reporter. He was the associate editor at the Denver Business Journal for a gazillion years. He's been a sports editor. So he's really quite good in understanding that persona. And that's a great voice to have if you're doing um, sports-related books. And also, he gets business books really deep down. He's also a turnaround artist, where he turned around and really solidified one of the key institutions here in Denver. He serves as president of the Denver Press Club and has been for over 10 years. And he has nothing better to do. He's been a tour leader um, many, many years for one of the bike and hiking expeditions that whips around in the Colorado area. So, Bruce, welcome to Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. Thank you, Judith. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, or actually, it's afternoon. Where we should let everyone know we did a we did a cheat today. We we uh, did a pre tape because I'm speaking oh. as this is airing, so we're good here. All oh, right, Judith, so I need to edit myself and say good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and good evening. But you know what? We're global, Bruce. So it's good morning, good afternoon, okay. and good evening. So let's just do that one. All right. So I one of the articles I wrote is, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, or is it the book or editing? And the reality is they're integrated and they're ongoing all the time. And my question was, should a book be edited? And my my, my um, 
snippy remark was, well, does it snow in Alaska? Does it get cold in Alaska? Of course, your book needs edited. And it is one of those seven deadly sins. And I can tell you, and we just uh, completed the Draft a Dream book competition, and we could tell the books that really shined for competition had already had the first round of editing done and were always noted by the 40-plus judges that were involved in the competition. So, Bruce, let's just jump in here. How would you define editing? And and what are some of the common snafus that you saw as an editor when you were at the Business Journal? Well, define editing. You know, it's... Mm. it's well, there's a great off-color joke I can't tell that really defines editing, so we'll move on to uh, oh. more ge- the more genteel version. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's basically, you know, at its fundamental core is helping to improve uh, anything that's written, whether it's a book, a newspaper article, a magazine article. It's guiding the author in how to make it better. Uh, but sometimes it's also, depending on how much influence you have, you, you may be able to force the change that needs to be made. All the times you have to gently persuade people to make the changes that need to be made. It's aiming for clarity. It's aiming for something that's going to hold the reader interest, uh, with the exception of if it's a vanity project, well, then all bets are off. You know, you, all you can do is help them out. If they're determined to publish something that's only going to sell five copies and it doesn't bother them, that's a whole different matter. Mm-hmm. But most people want to do much better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bruce, when I wrote my very first book, and I'm actually trying to do the mental calculation, how many years ago was that? 35 years ago. Um, and actually, I had someone working with me and edited, edited, and the New York publisher bought the book. And they said, okay, now we'll go into editing. And I kind of went ballistic. What? what? We just did all this editing. I didn't understand what editing really was. And when I got my package back, when they sent everything back, because everything was done on hard copy and it was written on and all that, uh, you know, then I went my second ballistic thinking, oh my God, they've changed everything. They pulled everything out. They've done blah, 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 blah. And what they did was they made it better. And so I always tell authors when they get things back, the best thing to do is to get their favorite beverage, whether it's hard or soft, and just read through all of it and get through it. And you're going to, I guarantee you, 90% of what's recommended makes absolutely total sense. Don't battle on everything. Yeah, it's it's amazing what, what people will miss um, because they insist on being their own editor or they have a friend who, um, you know, is really good in English in high school and she's, you know, he or she is reading my book. Well, that's fine, but you still need to hire yeah. a professional editor who's trained and knowledgeable and experienced to help you advance the book or the article or whatever it might be to the next level. You can't, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've heard people say, I wish I had hired an editor, or uh, they they don't realize the importance of getting at least one more pair of eyes on this Mm -hmm. to help them, show them things that they they're going to miss. You, you just, I mean, everyone gets edited. I get edited. I love having a good editor to go over my stuff because they'll see some things that, that uh, no matter how good I think it is, they'll see some things that, uh, how it can be made better. Mm-hmm. You, know, you asked about what are some of the common mistakes I saw. Um, you know, it's the standard newspaper fair. This is going to happen anywhere you are. 
Um, it's a rushed environment, and so mistakes are more likely to happen. There's spelling, grammar, punctuation, sentence structure, story flow, um, being way too wordy at times. Uh, is it logical? Make sure there's no libel issues in there, of course. that That's automatic. That's a given. I just assume that people know that. Uh, Subject-verb agreement or disagreement. Uh, but most of all, does it make sense? Does it have clarity? To me, clarity and accuracy rule out over everything else before you <clears throat> get into style and, and whatever your favorite cause is. You know, Bruce, you just said something that I really don't think a lot of editors really think about is the liability issue. And and I know that, I mean, I do content side. I don't have, I don't do the punctuation and, and, you know, I can do some grammar, but I don't get into all of that. I'm really looking at the story and does it come together and that kind of thing. And I know I had a case where, I mean, I, it screamed lawsuit. Oh, up and down, through and out, flip me over, screamed lawsuit. And I put out the warning lights immediately to the author and he poo-pooed it. And it, it just, you know, I said, my name, my name is not attached to this work because it was frightening to me what he was doing here. Boy, that's, that's yeah, it, it's, it's amazing how blind some people are to it. Whereas if you work in a newspaper, it's hammered into you from day one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a critical issue. Yeah. And you know, look another, at the mess. Oh, yeah, I should another, mention, look at the mess that Rolling Stone magazine faces now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, exactly. they've, come clean, they've come clean about this uh, incredibly inaccurate article, but now that fraternity, uh, the university fraternity, plans to sue Rolling Stone, and I doubt that'll be the first lawsuit. Oh, no, that's called the domino factor on that. Yeah. You know, you know I th- one thing also that you taught me as my editor was really to love, 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 writing for the Business Journal, love, love, love these short paragraphs and short sentences, even one-word sentences, so there's a little bit more punch. Um, I just see too many authors get stuck in what I call paragraph perpetuity. I mean, God, it goes on and on and on, and there's no break. And I I think that the newspaper writing, um, you don't see that often. It's much more clippier. Is that just something that's taught early on? It's, you know, first of all, um, one of of the truths of newspaper life is that every reporter believes every story they've written should be twice as long as it winds up being. I need more space. I need more space. Well, you can't have it. There are space restrictions. So you learn to write tight and learn to write fast because of the uh, never-ending deadlines, especially these days when you're also writing for the web on top of your uh, print writing responsibilities. Yeah. Um, yes. It's, but with, but, the, but, but with the web, to, you know, just say this on the web, they seem to be writing longer also because, you know, it just scrolls down. Or are they well, putting limitation? Those, a lot of those entities lack editors. They lack journalism training. They lack writing training. And my goodness, it shows. And all you can do is, is just shake your head. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're working with, uh, you know, in a regular publication, newspaper, magazine, or whatever, with trained editors, with trained reporters, you know they've gone. A lot of them have gone through journalism school, and of course, libel is one of the uh, hot topics that they're taught about and cautioned against. Libel is very hard to prove, but you don't want to go through the meat grinder, of uh-uh. a trial, no. just to get acquitted. No, it's a bottomless pit. 
it's yeah. a bottomless pit. All right, so that it really is what I what I come away with when you say this is one of the critical elements is an editor's function is to advance you you. I mean, I put you also in there, the author, and your book to that next level, which is really critical because it adds to your credibility, your clout, your expertise, and how people see you. And and that to me is. But then we're going to come back because we're going we're to take a quick break here. But I'd like to get into more some of these common mistakes that authors consistently make. And, and one of them you kissed on is, you know, your friend. Um, don't have your friend unless they're a professional editor. And I think there's really a caution there, too, because they might be more soft with you. But we'll be back with that. With me is Bruce Goldberg. He's an editor. He, uh, nonfiction is really his expertise, um, although he may add to that if he's gone to the fiction area. This is Judith Bryles, and it's Author You, your guide to book publishing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Many of us have dreamed of writing a book. Some of us even have. Then the hard work starts. You'll need an editor. Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106 Design can guide you through the maze. They've helped more than a thousand authors create top quality books and avoid the not so reputable self publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com. Then call Michelle at 602 866 1106 Design. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publish. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author You today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author You on Twitter at Author You and on Facebook at Author You, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author You, where the author goes to become seriously successful. Impressions are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an ebook, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. And your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics 
has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, we're talking editing, and as I took the break away, I, I told Bruce Goldberg, who is an editor, really specially, specializing in the nonfiction arena of books and writing, articles, blogs also he can help you with. But what one of the things that Bruce is, really knows about is these mistakes, and he kissed on one, is that you just don't have one set of eyes. I'll, you, know, you, you, have it, you have at least one eye, but I'm into having multiple eyeball eyes looking at it, and you don't have your next door neighbor and you don't have your mom, you don't have a sister, brother, unless they are professional editors. This is what they do. And I also am going to add on to this list, Bruce. I wouldn't go to my English teacher or I wouldn't let anyone who, who teaches an academic areas do it because they have different eyeballs and different thought processes and they're really not so concerned in how does this book flow. Yeah, you know, it's, when you talk about that, I've said all along that um, those who teach in J schools, journalism schools, really ought to get into a newsroom every couple of years and work for a month or two just to be reminded of what it's really like out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've dealt with dozens of interns when I was at the Denver Business Journal and elsewhere. And it's amazing the the wide variance in how well they were prepared to walk into a newsroom and start doing stuff. And I've sat down and talked to them, and some of the things that the professors told them were outdated or just flat-out wrong. And so I'd like, you know, if I were king, every uh, journalism professor would be mandated to spend some time periodically in a newsroom. The same thing with all people who go into public relations. They would be mandated to work in a newsroom for three months or so to really give them, it would help them immensely. They get a great understanding of how media operates what's relevant, what's really a story, and what's a waste of time to try to pitch. Uh, and when you mention multiple pairs of eyes, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, Judith. I have this massive file, paper file I've built through the years, and I'm holding it in my hands right now, the world's worst press releases, the worst pitches I've ever heard. And I must have at least 50 examples in this in this folder. Um, but you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that passes muster somehow and goes out to media and attempts to uh, attract a story, attract coverage. Bruce, let me ask about a pitch. Does the pitch that you would have received five years ago, the same type of pitch that would be uh, welcomed in today's market? I think, well, yes, in the sense that the, the, the fundamental rules 
all the same. Get to the point real fast. You know, if you're pitching to a newspaper or magazine uh, or a book publisher, same thing applies. You need to catch your attention fast. You've got a limited window to do that. People's attention spans are shorter and shorter these days. They have more and more things competing for their attention uh, or their entertainment options. And so you need to have a compelling message, <clears throat> or here's why you should think about publishing my book. There's nothing else like, like it out there, and people are going to be very interested in the subject. Yawn. That's a yawn, I think. What's that? Because- that's a yawn. Everyone, authors always say that. There's no, there's no competition. There's nothing like it. No, um, no, no. The, I, to, I don't mean to say that. They need to oh, okay. prove it with uh, what their book is about. Got it. So when they, when they, when they uh, have their elevator pitch, they need to be able to tell what, what, uh, what makes this book different, what is compelling about it, the subject that I'm writing about, and tell what the subject is. You know, I, I have proof that there are aliens from Mars living among us. Apparently, I've worked for every one of them, something like that. Okay. Oh, well, that that would get my attention. Okay, show me. Then that says, <laughs> show me the proof. All right, that's the next paragraph. <laughs> you know, what is, what is the story? What What is your particular story? Uh, you know, you hear these every day as you deal with authors, and uh, I've, I've heard them as well, and you know, I mean, one of the things I have is a good sense for what's good. You're just a reader, you know, and you have to have that. And I can tell you, yeah, people going to be interested in this or no, this is a flight of fancy on your part, driven by whatever, some ethereal need for attention. This ain't going to make it. Or the truth lies somewhere in between those two so, you know, this we're doing a side, side conversation here um, from editing, but pitching is really important. So it has to be well-crafted. It really does have to have editing. It might make sense to have someone who is specializes in editing um, on the side of a, whether it's a press release or it's a an elevator pitch of some sort. Would that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, truly trained people. I'm going to just give an example. I have a friend who co-owns a successful public relations firm here. And she sent me a piece of collateral they were about to send out. I said, well, we've all looked at this. I looked at it. It looks, it looks good. I just want to know what you think. Well, I found a lot of errors in it, and I should just suggested 20 changes. And she wound, up, she wound up agreeing with all of them and making all those changes. That's why you need a professional editor. Had they sent this collateral out, they would have been embarrassed as an agency. Their client would have been embarrassed, and they, you know, risked losing that client over that. You know, I, I do have a question. What's a timeline for doing those kind of, uh, you know, say it's clean, it's edited, it's got the right hook in it for someone to send out? What's a timeline today? I think our listeners really would be interested to know. I mean, is it something you send out a week before an event? Do you send it out a month before an event? Do you, is it, if it has no time frame, does it matter? I, I think that if you've got a major event, you need to let your your community's media know and, the, and and by extension the community know uh i would say four to six weeks in advance in advance and then think of different pitches as you get closer and closer to them and to keep it in the public eye so people don't forget to attend so so we, we keep sending them out so you just don't do it once you've got to do a follow-up all yeah, the time. yeah, but it can't. It, it it should be something different. Have a more unique approach than your first first time you sent that out, uh, because you want to uh, 
because a lot of media outlets will say, well, we already did this and toss it. So you need to give them something, uh, something to chew on, something that makes it special, maybe hold back one major aspect until the second announcement, the second round. Uh, or maybe having, having said that, having mm-hmm. said that, um, I think that, that that's something that folks should also ask a PR expert, a public relations professional, because this is what they do for a living, and they know timing better than I do. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just know that it's changing <laughs> a lot. Okay, so let's, let's jump back into our focal point here where we're looking really at the tight things of editing. What other mistakes do we have? It's just one is they don't have the proper editing done. What would be next on the line? Um, well, you know, we, we touched upon that a bit earlier. It's first and foremost, before you even sit down and write word one, what is your goal here? Is your goal to sell a million copies? Is your goal just to get a vanity piece done that you can have? Is your goal somewhere in between those two divergent poles of thought? Okay, once you decide that, then that's what you focus on, you know, is, is to create a book that's going to be so interesting, so um, compelling <clears throat> and different from what else has been done before that people will want to uh, read it. They'll want to get their hands on it. And then from that moment forward, everything you do is geared towards that. You're writing, who you hire as an editor, approaching a publisher, your book design, all the things that you're involved with, you know, in book production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're asking me, though, what, what, what are the mistakes? It's, it's could be thinking that you've got something that's interesting to everybody, and guess what? It's only interesting to a handful of people. Uh, on the other hand, if you've accepted that in advance, but you want to get this thing done, go for it. Um, it's relying only on spell checker. Don't do that. I think everyone knows spell checker is only the first step you take to make sure everything is spelled correctly. It's hardly infallible. Uh, there's some pretty hilarious errors that get in because people believe spell checker. You've got to have a professional editor to go over every word, every line, every page. And do it at least once. Twice is better. Because I know when I edit books, uh, you know, I want to read them twice. And the second time is to make sure that all the changes we talked about, all the changes we incorporated, all the changes the author approved are in there. Exactly. And that they didn't get bounced around due to formatting issues. Or the editor, the, the, the author said They'll make the changes, just mark them in red or whatever. Make sure they didn't miss some of the changes you suggested. Because mm-hmm. I take great pride in handing in a finished product when I'm all done, one that's ready to be published, and I want to help the author succeed with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is true that when it goes into pro- what we call production, which is the layout process, lines get dropped. And, and sometimes, you know, quote marks yeah. you might have, they get backwards. Or the question mark that's in something, it disappears. And those all have to be fine, too. That's what I, I bring in another person, which I call a cold eye editor, who has never seen the work before. And that person sits down with a printed out copy and reads it line for line. And, Bruce, it's an oh-my-God experience what gets picked up again in this process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's you and I should talk about that. Yeah. 
It, yeah, it, it is shocking, shocking. Okay, and with yeah. that said, we're going to come back to that. More mistakes, but also let's get into how do we make things flow. And I want to know, uh, Bruce, how best to work with a, an editor. And then, of course, everyone always wants to know what is it going to cost. This is Author You, your guide to book publishing. My guest today is Bruce Goldberg, and he specializes in nonfiction editing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Since 1987, Colorhouse Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Colorhouse to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing with Judith Bryles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972. They believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask coming up you'll hear more about statistics scenarios and strategies on what to do now to get you published so let's get back to the show and here again is your host dr judith bryles 
It is so hard to believe that we are literally less than 30 days from the Author You extravaganza. And if you haven't got your space, your registration in, you want to be there. Remember, I told everyone to use the magic code, capital A, capital U, 2015, and it'll knock off $100 on your registration. And because you're a regular listener to Author You, your guide to book publishing, if you register at the Author You member rate, you will save another $100. So that's $200 off. Denver, Colorado, Bruce also is from Denver, Colorado, my guest today, is beautiful in May. And yeah, sometimes we have a snowstorm. So it could snow in the morning, but it's melted two hours later. That's the way May happens in Colorado. It's a great place to be. There's free shuttle from the Denver International Airport. It'll be three awesome, amazing, hard work days that will take you and your book to a level that you never even imagined. And if you've got a book that's limping along, you want to be here. If you've got a book that's in the works and you're still writing, you want to be here at the extravaganza. And if your book is just birthing, you want to be there. The entire agenda is up on the authoryou.org website. Go through and just click authoryou.org, click on the events, and you'll see it all. All right, Bruce. We were talking yep. mistakes. We were talking about costs. We were doing how to get into costs. You got a file of major snafus that you've seen coming along. Um, I totally agree with you about dealing with spell check. In fact, I had someone in my young person in my office, one of those interns that could not spell. Could not spell. We had to eventually just dump our word program because it was so polluted. It accepted every variation that Hogan would have goats for it was it was it was appalling what happened to our word system. <laughs> well, we were talking well, about editing on a mm-hmm. computer versus editing printouts. Mm-hmm. You want to show we hit on that? You bet. And and, and it, you know, here's a forewarner: Bruce and I are biased. <laughs> Happily right. biased. Yeah. Um, I so much prefer editing a printout than editing on a computer. I miss stuff on a computer. And if I have to, uh, you know, print out an entire uh, document, I'm going to do that, or I'm going to ask the author to, you know, give me a printout of this book. You'll get much better editing out of that. And it's not because uh, level of competency, it's just you miss stuff, and you miss stuff on a computer that you will not miss if it's on paper right in front of you. And I do the old-fashioned way with a red pen, Yep. Um, and if something, if I see patterns of stuff that, that need to be fixed, you know, I keep separate notes on that and discuss it with the author as we go along, not at the end. <laughs> Where, you know, I want to make sure they're okay with the changes I'm, I'm making and with the overall philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that you like the same thing to print on paper. And that's, yep. that, that, that leads me into a, into a something, you know, that we haven't hit upon. I'm just thinking about this. When you engage an author, you really should have some serious talks about make sure your philosophy is matching, making sure that you're going to be able to work, get along well together, make sure that you're not going to be horrified when it's over to find out that they rewrote everything or, you know, uh, just made it more their book than your book. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories like this, mm-hmm. and no doubt mm-hmm. you have too, Judith, mm-hmm. where 
authors, they they spend an enormous amount of money, and they don't, you know, and they want to be even further behind than they were when they started this. Um, I mean, I have an acquaintance who told me he gave, uh, paid someone $5,000 to edit the book and still didn't get an edited book out of it. Oh, of course, my well, question was, my question was, why did you pay her? But uh, he never quite answered that. Well, or, you know, was the book such a mess or did it have to be totally rewritten? That's a whole other discussion. But let's go back to the author's voice because you're talking about maintaining the author's voice. It is it. I have, I have seen editors who take over the book, they take, they become extraordinarily possessive and all of a sudden it's theirs. Um, and the, uh, and the author's voice is lost. So that it's really important to have that discussion with the editor. And I think it's also very important to let him or her know that there are some unique, uh, stylisms that you don't want altered in the book. Maybe you, maybe you, you talk a little funky or maybe you have some special jargon that you use um, for your topic, especially we see this sometimes in nonfiction, get them out so they don't all of a sudden start correcting everything or changing it to another format when that is the way you want it. Um, so I, I think that's critical to have that discussion. Indeed. You know, it's important to preserve the author's voice. And, and I have had to walk a fine line on a number of occasions, and I'm sure every uh, book, book editor will tell you this. You have to Get the book where it needs to be and make some, some crucial changes at the same time without losing the author's voice. And that's funny what you just said earlier about author, the editor gets real possessive and, and, and mm-hmm. that's wrong. You know, the author is your client. You better treat them like a customer. You better be considered, be considered of their feelings and of their voice and their point of view and how they wish to come across. And there's a way to do that. And still clean up copy that need badly needs to be cleaned up. Well, you know, I, I, Bruce, I can give you an example of that. That's that the the uh, voice theft. I'm sitting with a book that is a fallback from another editor now, and I'm doing the content editing side of it on. And really, and I and I talked to to the author. I said, "Who wrote this? This this number one does not sound like you, but it's really not contemporary. It's it's like someone else's philosophy, an, an alien, one of those aliens, Bruce, you talked about, and." And when he told me, and I said, I'm trashing everything. I'm, I'm just trashing everything because it makes no sense. And I'm sorry you kissed off your money, but it doesn't make sense. Oh, my goodness. I know. And, yeah. and, and I hate saying that. Um, and it's really painful when you get different players in. But let's, let me come back to the printed out version. The reason why I like working on printed, and I, yeah. I don't use a red pen, I use a purple pen, but <laughs> that, that um, I, I get a better feel. I mean, it allows me to fall into the book more when yeah. I can sit with it. And touch the pages. I mean, that that's just me. Maybe it's just me. But it allows me to know that this is what the book is and this is where I'm going with it. And I, I found that, that when people do everything online, it's easy to get a little lazy. And you can scroll and you be, can start skimming versus the other. And, and again, I could be wrong, but that's just my sense. Exactly. You know, that's a good way of, you know, it enables you to, to literally get more into it because, because it's right there. It's, it's not, there's still, no matter how long we've been using computers, there's still some uh, 
um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Lack of connection sometimes with what you're reading on a screen, as opposed to actually getting to touch the manuscript and then go back and refer much easily. If you have to go back 10 pages, it's a lot more easy to do by hand than, than trying to find it as you scroll and, and your frustration level grows. Uh, and, and it can grow, I'm going to tell you. Uh, Bruce, how long should it an, an edit take? And I, I think that may be a, a too black and white question because I've had some that have taken a long time because yeah. they're so messy. Yeah, so, I, and I don't have a straight answer on that. It depends on so many factors. Number one, the length of the book. Number two, how well written is it in the first draft? Or is it, is it something that doesn't need much, or is it something that needs a moderate amount, or is it something that needs a total rewrite? Obviously, that's going to take a lot longer. Um, I think, though, what you need to do is, is, see, that's something I believe you negotiate up front. You've got to go with common sense, explain the facts of life to the author, agree on a time frame that has some looseness in it, but not a lot. Just, you know, they deserve to get their... their uh, their baby taken care of, you deserve to be uh, uh, paid for your time and to be given an adequate amount of time to edit something. Um, I don't have a formula answer for you. Well, I think one of the problems, I think, um, and this is a a come-to-edit discussion, a come-to-book discussion, come-to-author discussion meeting here, that there is, um, my experience with a lot of authors is that because they have been writing their book, their baby, their tome for whatever period of time, and they basically didn't receive any compensation for it, that, you know, they did it, you know, wee hours in the morning or on weekends or who knows, that there is um, a reluctancy to pay people to take care of this side of it. And they have a really, if all of a sudden, for example, you used a $5,000 number, which is for a copy edit is, is high, in my opinion. For a content edit, it could be extraordinarily cheap. But it depends upon what the, what the editor has to do. And they have a hard time paying. And it's, you know, where do you, if, if so you come into a project, and I've been in projects, Bruce, that I thought it could be handled in this time frame, but boy, God, when I really got into it, it's like, whoa, boy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. This yeah. has morphed. So does the editor just say, I need to stop. I'm not going to do any more. And we need to have a discussion. You're going to have to come with more money or you go someplace else. You know, how do you handle that? I, I think it's um, a couple of things. Number one is, is um, I, I try to edit a sample chapter or two ahead of time. That gives me a real good idea if we're going to be able to work together and how much time I'm going to need uh, and, and how much surgery I'm going to have to do. And, you know, sit down again with the author and go over this. I say, okay, now that I've looked through this, this is how much editing it's, it's going to need. Here are some of the pros. Here are some of the cons. Here are some of my suggestions. If you want to proceed, this is what, uh, how much time and how much money it's going to require. Uh, but you asked, you know, what if someone doesn't quite understand that that's part of the business <clears throat> that you need to pay Oh, right. Hold that. Hold that. You're going to we're going to have to take one final break and we'll okay. come back to that because this is the critical. The cost of editing is critical. Does it have daycare surgery or does it need to go into ICU? We'll be right back. <laughs> it's author you, your guide to book publishing. 
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today. 303 885 That's 303-885-2207. Or email her at judith at By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at MyBookShepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd. service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. I, I hope you all have really paid attention because I know Bruce and I have been uh, uh, covered a lot of things and over round, but 
a lot of these questions in this discussion that doesn't come up with authors and editors. They think, okay, here's my book. I'm going to have it back in two weeks. It doesn't happen that way. You know, a lot of times author editors have multiple projects going on, um, balls in the air, and that the the uh, cost of an editor becomes an overwhelm. They just don't get why do I have to pay whether it's a thousand dollars or multi thousands of dollars when I haven't got anything yet? Or they may say, well, when you're done, I'll share with you with the profits, you know, of my book sales, <laughs> which is always an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by, by all means, we'll do that. All right, so back to Bruce. How long does it take a book to edit? You know, to edit, and it, you're talking about how much surgery does it need? Does it need just some, you know, day surgery over many days, or does it need to be intensive ICU, which which, which means this thing is being gutted and totally rewritten, like RoboCop, the poor guy. Oh God, RoboCop. Yes, yes. Yes, the, your core idea is there, but what you really needed was a ghost writer. Yeah, it's it's so. you know, are you are you asking me something? Yeah. Or? yeah, 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 yeah. So back to how long does it take to edit, and yeah. what are the cost ranges? Yeah, you know the the um, how long it takes to edit. You know, we we touched upon this before before we uh, took the break, but it's. Depends on many factors. Again, length of the book, how much, and how much work does the writing really need? How, what is the quality of the writing that you're being handed to start out with? And you know, once you have worked on that, and also it means sitting down and seeing: is this author going to work with you? Are they going to be uh, be cooperative? Be understanding? Are they looking for your guidance? And I've been fortunate in all but really one case. Yeah, they're looking for this guidance. Uh, obviously, more. Uh, Published authors are probably more attuned to this. They're hipper about this and, and perhaps easier to deal with um, from that aspect. The one, the one author who I dealt with was, was awfully stubborn um, and could be difficult to deal with. Uh, but this was a very, uh, a very well, what's a kind word, paranoid person. So I kind of understood mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, costs. Uh, you, you know, how are you going to do it? Okay, you can do it on an hourly basis. That can really pile up, though, when you have a book project. I try to give a time estimate, an accurate time estimate, or a range of, you know, multiplied times my hourly rate and go with that. Now, I think that at the same time, there are so many different ways of figuring out what this is going to cost. It's there, you know, what are you going to be doing? Are you doing a strictly a copy edit for grammar and punctuation and spelling? Are you doing, as you say, a content edit as well? Uh, are you just proofreading after all the work has been done? Are you going to be doing all of them? All of these go into that. So it, it, it's uh, hard to name a flat figure because there are so many variables, so much factor. But you need a professional editor just like, you know, you wouldn't take out your own appendix. You go to, you go to a doctor, you go to a surgeon. You wouldn't uh, defend yourself in court unless you've been watching too many bad TV court uh, law dramas where people do that. Mm-hmm. You need the expertise of an attorney. Well, guess what? Trained editors, solid editors, people who truly know what they're doing and get testimonials about the editors you're considering hiring. Talk to uh, you know authors who they've worked with. Because, again, you know, not to be repetitive, but you and I have both heard these horror tales of people who put their work in the hands of an unqualified editor who set them back 
and sometimes set them back years. And that can happen. You know, but it, but then I'm going to throw a caveat. I mean, I know that we had one book in here that really took, by the time it was done, it was a whole full rewrite. It was just a freaking mess. And the other thing is the book really wasn't one book. And I and I finally said, Lothar, you have three books here. Divide them up. People are not going to read a 700-page tome anymore, not with this kind of a book. Divvy it up. You've got three different products, and there are natural segues. This is what I recommend to you. And that is what she's eventually doing. But I finally just said, you know, I cannot do any more. I you know. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Um, and and then and then the resistance. All right. So you you talked about getting um, uh, testimonials and things. So what what would be the magic word you would say to the editor? You know, would you give me people who you've worked with who've written books that are similar to mine? Um, would you ask for copies of their books or go get them yourself? Which actually, I would want to see what their work look like. Yeah. Well, what I do is I just share the testimonials. Uh, I offer them. To a potential client, mm-hmm. would you like to see testimonials from people whose books I've edited, and mm-hmm. they want to see them, I send them. Um, that's basically it. And so I make sure to collect these. Uh, first of all, the, the key is to do work that's good enough that they're going to be willing, enthusiastic about writing a testimonial. And so I've been able to build up a nice file of those mm-hmm. in the last few years, and uh, so I'll sh- just share that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that, mm-hmm. that I think that really uh, has a strong impact on authors as they're looking for an editor because it's, because they're sometimes they're they're proceeding blindly they don't really know what to do they're not sure what to ask an author they never really know how good that author is well here's some folks who can tell you uh, how I performed for them so that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bruce, when when should a book be edited? Should you wait till it's done, or you should you start getting input um, in the in the beginning? You know, I would say for for that's a great question because if you're not quite confident in what you're doing as an author, you know, maybe show the first couple chapters to a qualified author because they'll make suggestions and put you on the right path if your writing isn't that strong that will save you a lot of heartache down the road. Instead of you writing another two or three hundred pages following the wrong course, they can get you set on the right course and then make that huge first step a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. First step being writing that book and consequently that'll make everything that follows a little bit easier. The editing process will be probably less than it would have been if you follow their guidance. Now well, yeah, I think that that actually is a logical makes sense. There is a a um, uh, a path. So if you have a first f- first three chapters, um, and, and I actually I don't know if you've experienced this, but when we have seen books come in that it, the author seems to settle down after maybe the first three to five chapters, but we have we have seen situations where God, it's just all over the place, and then they seem to settle down. <laughs> And start writing a little. Their flow is a little bit more consistency, and the voice is a little bit stronger. Um, I don't know if you've had that experience at all. Well, I've seen that not really with the books, but many newspaper articles where, where a reporter thought they had to get in all these thoughts in that first paragraph, mm-hmm. 
and then it's you know it's it's uh, it's a fat graph. It's hard to follow. Uh, it doesn't make much sense. And there's always an easier, tighter, better way to say it. Which, which is always a good thing. And that's where your editor does help um, and come together. All right, so we have about three minutes here to go. What other little tidbits that we, we talked about, that, you know, the basics there, certainly spelling and grammar and, and punctuation and your subject-verb agreement. What are some tips on, the, on, on really that flow part? How, what would you as an editor say would be a couple of things that you would look, would look for or, or suggest to an you author? Know, with, with flow, you know, does this chapter lead into the next chapter. Um, does do you do you have sudden stops and starts that are going to disrupt the reader and and make them wonder where was I or what happened to uh, this point that was raised earlier or whatever happened to that character or what mm-hmm. happened to that institution you're writing about? Um, flow, it's it's. Boy, it's like, you know, the Supreme Court definition of pornography, you know, when I see it, I know, I recognize it. It's, does it, does it, does it make sense? Does it, this, what's within a chapter all belong together? And then, second, and then at the same time, does this chapter lead into the next, naturally into the next chapter? This is the thing I should be reading next. Um, you can't jump around like a water bug on top of a pond with your writing. So you have to master the art of keeping the reader's interest, but having mm-hmm. a manageable flow. Um, and it's, you know, when I read, for example, Sports Illustrated, Time Magazine, Vanity Fair, etc., again, they all have that great quality of writing. And there's reasons why. And to learn the reasons why, read these articles and read why they, what, mm-hmm. you can see why they, mm-hmm. they flow well. They have lots of interesting material. The story, it's telling a story and telling it in order. Mm-hmm. And you know what? One of the things you're talking about, which is yours and my, you know, we're both in the primary nonfiction arena, but that they, Vanity Fair, which I also read, is that they're long articles and they really are standalone. I mean, you could, th- those are like excerpts in, in a lot of cases, but the facts are there. It, it, it flows, uh, you know, you, it has a beginning and it has a middle and it has an end. So that would be one of the advice I'd give to everyone. Each chapter, do you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, at least for that module, before you hop to the next one. It doesn't mean you can't link back, but it has to flow. Would you agree? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, don't hesitate. Exactly. Don't hesitate to link back. You're not forbidden <clears throat> from referring to uh, yeah. earlier it's a, events. It's a summing up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we need to do a wrap-up. It's been a fast hour. Bruce Goldberg, editor extraordinaire, primarily in nonfiction, has been with me. Bruce, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, email address is B-G-I-N Denver, B-G in Denver at AOL. Okay, that's boy George in Denver at AOL.com. I'm Judith Bryles. It's author, you, your guide to book publishing. Come to the extravaganza. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week.